Amen. If you've got a Bible with you, get it out. Uh, it's always good to have it with you. And uh, to, to really understand this passage, we actually need to look back a couple of verses, the beginning of chapter 11. So we're going to go there to start with. And what's happened in the story, we get this kind of moment of faith before the story even really starts. Because Mary and Martha, they're friends of Jesus. Lazarus was also a friend of Jesus. And their brother, Lazarus, is sick. So what do they do? They send for their friend, Jesus, because they believe that Jesus is the only one who can save their brother. So they send a messenger off to find Jesus. Come quickly, come quickly. Our brother needs you. He's not well. Please come. But in this section 11 to 16, which we didn't read, we find out that Jesus actually delays his journey by two whole days. And in that time, Lazarus dies. Lazarus dies. And then there's this whole conversation that Jesus has with his disciples. And I'm just going to pick up on one point in this conversation because Jesus says to his disciples, look, Lazarus is asleep and I'm going to go and wake him up. And the disciples think, oh, Jesus is just talking about Lazarus having a bit of snooze. We'll go there and he'll wake up and it'll all be happy days and Lazarus is fine. So kind of chill out, kind of this is great. But Jesus has to tell them a bit more plainly that actually when I said asleep, I, what I actually meant was he's actually dead. He's actually dead. And then comes this kind of almost awkward statement in verse 15. Because uh, Jesus says, and for your sake... I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. For your sake, I am glad I was not there. It almost sounds as if Jesus is happy that his friend Lazarus has died, that he wasn't there to save him. But Jesus loved Lazarus dearly. We're told that twice in our passage. Of course, Jesus isn't glad of the death of his friend. But Jesus isn't seeing this situation through the same human eyes that his disciples and perhaps Martha and Mary are seeing this situation. You see, Jesus is seeing this situation through God's perspective, which demands all human circumstances to be placed under this greater way of seeing and knowing. But equally, Lazarus isn't just a means to an end for Jesus. Of course not. Jesus is in control of the whole situation from start to beginning. And as he is in control of the situation, he sees joy in watching God's work, God's kingdom unfold, God's kingdom burst into life throughout the story and what happens. And this is perhaps why Jesus concludes that little statement with, with, let's go to him. He doesn't say let's go to Mary and Martha. He says let's go to Lazarus as if, as if he is the one who is alive and well, the one to be visited. It is perhaps why Paul would later write, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, not even death. And now, finally, after this conversation with his disciples has been concluded, Jesus and his disciples depart for Bethany. 
Now, when I was uh, 20, 21, maybe, I, uh, I was in this kind of relationship which had been going on for about a year. It was, for me, it was quite serious, and it was, it was really good. She was a Christian girl, and there was so much good in it, and it was great. And then she went off on this mission trip with uh, Tear Fund for four months to Uganda or somewhere. I can't quite remember. And she came back. And I remember it was the day before New Wine started, and, and we were all going to New Wine together. And she came back and said, John, you know, I love you, but actually, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't going anywhere. This isn't right. Um, so we're going to break up. The bottom of my world fell out. Imagine being at New Wine. For those who have not been to New Wine, it's a camping field. And I was camping with her and her family for a whole week. Oh, every moment of the day I'd wake up and she'd be there serving me breakfast. I'm like, you've just dumped me. This is so painful. My heart is breaking and there you are. I can't even sit in the worship time because I just cry and it's awful. It's like literally the worst week of my life. New Wine's amazing by the way, isn't it? It's It's a really great conference. I'll redeem it in a minute for you. It's all right. And it was horrible. But that festered in my heart and it got worse and worse and I allowed it to become the dominant kind of strand in my life and I was questioning, where were you, God? Where were you? God, if only you had come and if you'd only told me to be a better person, I could have loved her better that she wouldn't have dumped me. God, if only this and if only that, if only, 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 God, 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 it's all your fault. Where were you? Where were you when I needed you? And for a whole year, I sat in deep, dark depression, frustrated, angry, bitter with my if only. If only God had shown up. If only God had changed it. If only God was there when I needed him. We've all, I'm sure, had experiences where we found ourselves asking those if only questions in life. If only this had happened, or if only that had happened. Or perhaps it's equally true in faith, isn't it? We find ourselves asking, Jesus, if only you were doing things this way, or if only you did it that way in my life. Or where are you, or where were you when this awful thing happened? We're in good company tonight, because that's exactly the question that Martha runs to Jesus with. And here we start in our bit that we heard Abraham read for us from verse 17. You see, as soon as Martha hears that Jesus is coming, she runs, leaving the customary gathering of mourning uh, at her home, and she runs to meet Jesus. And as she meets him, she tells him exactly what she thinks. She says, Lord, If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But even now I know that God will give whatever you ask of him. Now it kind of sounds, that second bit particularly, doesn't it? It kind of sounds that this is Martha making a statement of faith. That I believe you can do whatever. You can can do anything, God. So, you know, you can raise Lazarus from the dead. 
it's not actually a statement of faith. That will come later in the story. This is Martha giving Jesus both barrels. It's a rebuke. It is Martha saying, if only you had been here, if only you were here, the brother, my brother whom you love, Jesus, would still be alive. And this pain and suffering that we are going through could have been avoided. Jesus, if only, if only you had come sooner. Now, Martha doesn't know yet what Jesus is going to go on to do. That Jesus is in control of this whole situation. And Jesus says, well, he will be raised to life. And, and I think we get a, a slightly frustrated response from Martha. Because she says, well, of course he's going to get raised because he's a Jew and we believe in the day of resurrection and this day is going to come when God puts the whole world right and Israel will be saved from her enemies and then all the Jewish people, all of God's people will be raised on that day to eternal life with new bodies and it's going to be awesome. Of course my brother will be raised to life and enjoy that. But in the rawness, in the rawness of grief, perhaps there's little comfort there. For Martha, her brother whom she loved dearly, the one who Jesus himself loved, the one who if only he had come sooner and not dilly-dallied around, wasting time, would still be alive. But here, comes Jesus cutting through the situation and revealing who he is in more detail. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Jesus is the resurrection. Jesus is life. And it is through Jesus that God's new creation, God's creation just as it should be, where there's no pain, no suffering, no, um, no death, that kind of creation. The creation where we'll have new bodies and we'll have new life that lasts forever, that kind of creation is being made known in the very person of Jesus, the person who has stood right in front of Martha. And it is that creation which is about to erupt into the situation. But Martha just doesn't quite know it yet. And Jesus says to her, do you believe in me? Do you believe in me? Because if you do, there's resurrection life for you. And I think Martha's response is absolutely awesome. It is one of the most, I think, awesome statements of faith in the whole of the Bible because it's in the midst of her grief. It's in the midst of her sorrow. 
and not yet understanding or knowing what Jesus is about to do, she says, yes, I pledge my trust, my faith in you, Jesus. The one who has come into the world, sent by God to bring about God's new creation power, to bear on this world. Because it's so awesome, I'm actually going to read it word for word. She says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. So that's Martha. And now it's Mary's time to enter the scene. And she arrives with the same heartbroken rebuke. Lord, if you had been here, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But as she breaks down in tears, Jesus is deeply moved. His spirit is overwhelmed with grief and sorrow. But actually there's more. In, in, our, in the NIV it says that, that he's deeply troubled in verse 33. But actually that doesn't quite cut it because the word is more angry He's angry at the situation. Perhaps he's angry at death itself because death was never meant to be part of God's creation. It was never meant to be part of the human experience because God made a good world and for us to live in it. And it's only because of sin that death has entered our world. Sin has broken God's plan for creation and death stinks as Martha makes it, makes it clear, doesn't she? She said, when, when uh, they're standing at the tomb, she said, don't, don't roll the stone away, it's gonna stink. My brother's been in there for four days. Death stinks. It's not cool. It's not what God intended for humanity. And so we find that Jesus himself breaks down in tears and we get another window into who Jesus is. He's not only the resurrection and the life. And despite knowing all that he is about to do, he embraces his own emotions, bears his own sorrows. Just as the prophet Isaiah had foretold in chapter 53, Isaiah writes this, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. You see, Jesus isn't some distant God, disconnected from humanity, uh, come to earth in some kind of flesh and blood exoskeleton. No. He's come as a fully human being, fully connected, fully feeling, fully experiencing the emotional roller coaster of human life. It is this kind of God a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief and pain and is willing to bear them to the point of tears who is the resurrection and the life. And it's this point, and it's from this point of pure humanity, true humanity, he asks, where have you laid him? Where have you laid him? From there, 
he goes on to demonstrate that he is the resurrection and the life, that he has the power to call into a dead man's grave and raise him to life with a few words and to transform the whole situation. Now, I said I'm going to redeem new wine, and I am going to do that now because a year later, exactly a year later, I went back to new wine. I don't know, I don't know why. I really don't know why because I went and I camped with the same family. It was madness. Like, sucker for punishment, right? I mean, yeah, tell us. I was, I was still angry, I was still depressed, I was still beating myself up, I was still asking the only if questions. Where are you, God? And I remember one day, I sat in the main arena, and there was like this call for prayer ministry, and I, and, um, I was like, oh, I don't want prayer ministry, I don't need that, I don't need that, I'm angry with everything, I don't need prayer ministry. <laughs> and they were like, and then the call came from the front, and it was like, we really need people who can do prayer ministry. So if you do prayer ministry on your home church, then please come forward and, and pray for some people. I was like, I don't need prayer ministry, but I can do prayer ministry. So I made my way to the front. And I got all the way up to the front, and I was looking around going, where is everybody who needs prayer? Everyone was being prayed for except one guy. But unfortunately, that guy had also made his way from the back to the front and was looking around going, where's everyone who needs prayer? And then that guy had this really clever idea of, I'm going to go over to John and I'm going to pray for him. So he comes walking over to me and says, can I pray for you? And I'm like, no, whatever you do, don't say yes. But I've already said yes. And then he's laid his hands on me and he's praying for me. And in that moment, God met me. God met me in my sorrow and in my pain. He met me in that moment. And I remember... I had this reoccurring dream for, many, for, that, for that whole year of falling into a black hole. And I was falling and falling and falling. But this time, as this guy prayed for me, I had that same dream, but this time my hand was up and it was being held by a massive hand. And even though it felt like I was falling, I was going nowhere. God had me in the midst of everything. And then he showed me a picture of my old school gym. And in the middle was this kind of springboard and this box. And he said, look, John, put your trust in me. And together, we can get through this. It was a moment that transformed my whole situation. And most of you know my now wife, Lydia, right? And she is far better. No offense, ex-girlfriend. <laughs> but she is, she is top dollar. You see, God had a bigger and better plan for me, a different plan. It wasn't what I expected or wanted, but he had a better plan for me. You see, Jesus arrives in Bethany not to change the past. He came to change the future. And he hasn't come just to give Mary, Martha, and Lazarus a little kind of pick-me-up and, and to demonstrate how good God is. He's saying, I'm, I'm doing this because it points to what I am doing. It points to what I have come to do because I have come to bring life for all people. That my resurrection life may burst into every situation of this world. And the only way I can do that is through my own death and resurrection. I have come to change the future, not just for Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, but for the whole 
of humanity. And so, for us today, this evening, I think there's two things I would love us to to just be open to Jesus to tonight. And the first is this. If you have if-onlys in your heart, if you have, where were you, God, when this happened or that happened? Then to be more Martha and to run to Jesus, to bring your if-only to him because he is more than big enough to deal with it. He's more than big enough to cope with it. So you can ask him any question you want. You can, you can give him both barrels and, and a grenade or whatever else you want to chuck at him. He's big enough for it all. And as you throw that at him, you might just be surprised how he responds. Now, it might not be instant. It wasn't instant for Mary and Martha. It wasn't instant for me. But if it's not instant, that doesn't mean that God has abandoned you or doesn't love you. Look how he responds to Lazarus. Of course he loves Lazarus. He's just doing it in his timing, in his way, so that he may be glorified. So that you may get not the ex-girlfriend, but the cool one. But as he does, as he meets you, and he will, he promises that. He brings that new creation life, that resurrection life to bear on your situations, to bear in your life. He brings it into the mess of our lives and brings good news and brings hope and brings freedom and new possibilities. So when I hand over to Becky to lead us in a time of ministry in a moment, that's, that's the first thing. I'd love us to just say, if you've got an if only in your heart, why not tonight come and bring it to Jesus? And the second thing is this, is if you're, if you're in a place of grief or sorrow, to be more Mary and to allow yourself to weep with him. Because in those moments, God says, Jesus says, let me come and be fully human with you. Let me come and weep with you. And when I'm in that place of your deepest need, I can take you from there. I can lead you from there into the place where I now am, the place of life, the place of hope, the place of freedom, the place of healing and restoration. That's Mary and Martha's story. It's certainly my story. And I pray that tonight, maybe for you, you'll experience a bit of Jesus' resurrection life in your life. 